This is episode 28 of Spokes with Detroit-based cinematographer Ray Rushing. You're listening to the Red Bicycle Media Spokes Podcast, a show about the experiences of a film production house and the people they work with in the film industry, with your host, James Pizarro. Welcome back to another episode of Spokes, ladies and gentlemen. This is uh, producer Christian, and uh, we are glad you can make it today. Thank you for listening. And I know it's been a while since we've been on the air, and uh, we thank you for your patience. Uh, we've been thankful and blessed that we've been busy during this time uh, for the past couple months. We know a lot of our friends in the industry here in Cleveland have been busy as well. So it's it's a good time for us. I know it's for others it's struggling, but I see some good days ahead for everyone. So uh, let's just keep the momentum going. Uh, we also want to thank, um, or not thank, we also want to welcome everyone uh, listening on iHeartRadio. We are now on iHeartRadio, on the app, online. So if you search for our um, podcast, search for it on the site, find it, follow it, make sure you follow it, and uh, you have all the episodes at your disposal. Uh, so after this, definitely check out the rest of our 27 plus episodes. This is episode 28, of course. And uh, we have a really cool guest today. So our guest He's from Texas, he's from Colorado, but he resides in Detroit right now and um, travels between here and, and um, you know, Detroit uh, to film. Filmed with uh, guys like uh, Quicken Loans, Remax, Loctite, and has worked with many people, um, specifically, well, a lot of mascots through Quicken Loans, so you've seen a lot of the college uh, mascots, but he also has worked with guys like uh, Ricky Fowler, the professional golfer, of course. And... Um, while other DPs and filmmakers have started off as production assistants, uh, today's guest has learned just about everything from the job, especially working for the Quicken Loans Media House. So, um, again, he started off as a photographer. He's now a cinematographer. He actually had a history uh, degree. He had a history major in college. So you'll hear a little bit more about that in the podcast. I don't want to give too much away, uh, but this will be a good one. So we talk about his evolution his evolution um in cinematography from again working at the quicken loans uh, media house as a photographer to doing all these uh, commercials getting into narratives and uh, just a really cool story that he has and also he, we talk about a little bit of adopting into um everything going on here in 2020 so uh, and i know ray's been busy uh Pretty much since August or September, but you'll again you'll hear more about that on the podcast and how he's improved during these times. Uh, so, without further ado, here is Ray Rushing. So, um, uh, tell me about how you got into uh, uh, be, uh, being a cinematographer. Yeah, um, I I kind of got into things later. Um, I, I was a photographer for a long time. Um, I went to college. I have a history degree. Uh, I planned on teaching. None of this was ever in the works, you know, for what I was going to do, I guess. Um, and then right at the end of college, I started taking some photography classes um, and just really fell in love with creating. Um, and so and as a background, my, my that's nothing in, in my family at all. We for anybody to do creative work like that's definitely not normal. <laughs> um, you know, you get a job and you work and you pay your bills. And so. Uh, it was it was definitely a new thing uh, for me to do. And I, I, I got into photography right away. As soon as I graduated, I started assisting uh, people locally. Um, I started shooting weddings, just anything anybody would give me money 
to do. And that's was kind of my mantra. I mean, it was sort of like, you know, there are way worse things I could be doing um, than photography. So any photography just seemed great to me. Now, like long-term, that was, I think that was foolish. Um, I did weddings for about five years. I, I hated it at the end. Um, and it kind of led me down a, a path of like hating photography. Um, and, and so, and I was, and I was in, I was in that world, uh, as, as the, uh, digital transition was, was happening. So it's kind of interesting that I'm now in, I think filmmaking and that, that sort of feels, feels like it's going on right now as well. And so, um, but you know, long story short, I, I was kind of getting out of photography. I was starting to transition away. Um, I actually started teaching, uh, at Apple. Uh, I was teaching photography and video editing, which was kind of my intro to video world. Uh, oddly enough, teaching uh, the infamous Final Cut 10 uh, was was kind of how I got started at all with video. Um, and it was looking like that might be my career. Uh, was actually working there and and uh, it just fell off. And so I wanted to get back and, and we moved. We just decided to move to Detroit um, from Colorado. I'm from Texas originally, Colorado, and then we moved to Detroit. Um, with the, the goal of getting back into full-time creating again and, uh, and kind of an eye toward video. And, and then I landed a job that I, I wasn't expecting um, as the senior photographer over at Quicken Loans. Um, they have a, a pretty robust media team and uh, they call it the QL Media House. And so, yeah, we did, um, we did everything from, I was photographing events to start out with and headshots and, and all of that was pretty pretty boring, to be honest. I mean, I was super thankful for the job. Um, and I was super thankful to be using a camera again, professionally and paying my bills and able to afford a mortgage and all of those sorts of things and own a home. And, um, but uh, my time there, they were, I, they actually allowed me to transition um, to the video team. Uh, so I did a year as what they call a content creator. Uh, we, you know, you shoot, edit, direct, whatever's needed, run audio. I mean, it, it's sort of very run and gun, kind of chaotic uh, that first year. And it's everything from event recap videos to larger marketing pieces. Um, but as a team, we sort of felt uh, like, you know, there, there was a lot of crossing, uh, kind of crossing channels. So you, I'd be sitting in an editing suite, uh, which I learned in that year I'm not the best at and I don't love. Um, and then you'd have a guy out shooting uh, who is a great editor and a terrible shooter. <laughs> and so as a team, and that wasn't just my story, it was everybody on the team. We just kind of made a decision that it looked, it looked like a better future for the team to um, specialize. And so I kind of, uh, another guy and I actually sort of filled the role of cinematographer for the team and people fill, filled in as directors or editors and kind of as they were, as they were talented and the team really blew up from there. I mean, it, it really, uh, we were, we went from, like I said, doing events and small stuff to a year later, we were shooting national broadcast spots. Um, and, and that was, I was along for the ride for that, which was amazing, um, you know, to, to go from relatively new uh, to, to the whole just video world in general to then shooting national, you know, half million dollar, million dollar commercials. Um, it was an amazing experience. And, and, and like I said, I was, a, the, the team really did that. It wasn't anything 
that any, I think any one of us alone would have been able to do. We had an amazing director and producer who are still great friends and, um, and yeah, and that, and that experience really fast tracked me. Um, and I always kind of tell people that I, I got into cinematography kind of backward. Um, I, I, I was in my mid thirties, I, I hadn't really shot anything. And then within a year or two, I was, I was, you know, being trusted with these large budgets and these large projects um, and, and do, and, and having things on TV, which was cool to see. Did you find that um, there is an evolution uh, to how you were shooting? Uh, is that, did you think you made your most improvement doing those kind of things or was it uh, post uh, working uh, uh, with Quicken? I mean, that, that like, it was probably a three-year window while I was there that uh, I was growing so much. I mean, I, I literally was like, what is a DSLR, <laughs> you know, video-wise, obviously, I had the photo background, too. Uh, yeah, I think we should shoot on Alexa Mini with Cook Vintage V-Lite Hawk 74s anamorphic, you know, it was just, it, it, it went so, so quickly. Um, so... You know, I, I wish I could say I was still doing million dollar commercials uh, daily, uh, but unfortunately those don't come around super often. Uh, so yeah, it, it really, I really was fast tracked in my time there. Now as a freelancer, um, I think what's what's changed is my, my skills are much more varied. Uh, you know, and again, kind of in working backward, I think a lot of people you know, you can look back on your career and maybe say, at least a lot of people I know, you know, oh, I was PAing and then, uh, you know, I kind of got into camera and I started ACing and then I, I, you know, would DP on the side for friends and you kind of, it has a sort of natural progression. It, for me, felt very much like, um, oh, hey, I think, I think I'm interested in DPing. I'm not entirely sure what that is. Uh, okay, here's a commercial you know, here's a half million dollar budget that you need to figure out. It, it felt like it wasn't, of course, that quick, but it felt that way. Um, and so now as a freelancer, I'm, I'm finding that I'm, I'm learning, I'm, I'm learning a, a more a variety of skills. Uh, I'm learning how to tackle a variety of projects and obviously subject matter, everything at the mortgage company was mortgages. So um, yeah, as a freelancer, of course, you, you know, you're all over the place. Would you say the majority of your work is is commercial now, not narrative, or is there is there a mix right now? Um, and uh, and do you enjoy that variety? Because I know a lot of commercial uh, cinematographers just enjoy being on a project, not for months, and then being able to just uh, you concentrate on on that on that project, and the, and it's really that variety that makes it a lot of fun because there's always something different. Yeah, absolutely. I I um, I mostly do commercial work. Um, I, I've started to kind of dabble in the narrative world, um, and I'm, I'm very interested to, uh, kind of move in that direction. Um, I think, I think again, kind of with my background, it, it was, was a little backward. I, I, I sort of fell into this great situation and made the most of it with, with these big projects. And so it, it's just made sense with, you know, being a dad and three kids, like, working you know the business of this is a business I, I have to i have to make money i have to pay the rent you know and so um commercial work has has really been good to me in that way and i love the variety i love moving from project to project i love 
I mean, the, the nine day shoot that I just came off of is, is by far probably the longest uh, consecutive day, you know, shooting that I've done uh, in a while. Most shoots are, yeah, two, three days and then you move on. And so, and, and there's something I, I do enjoy about that. I think I also crave um, really getting to sink my teeth into something um, and, and really getting to immerse myself in a world which is something that I often don't do, or I, I do, but it's so quick. You're just, you know, really quickly, what's the story? What's the emotion? Let's get into it. And then we're done. And, and I have to kind of, you have to kind of change gears. Uh, you have to kind of forget it and move on. Um, and I think that that's a good thing to do in a, in a commercial world. Otherwise you can find yourself in ruts, you know, the, for a while it was the Wes Anderson thing. It's like, let's shoot Wes Anderson. And so even when someone didn't say that I would center frame, you know, because everything was that way. So you kind of have to uh, be a chameleon and, and, and morph your style to the, you know, to the project. And I, I think I'm, I'm eager to, for, the, you know, for the next chapter to look a little bit more like what is my voice in this? And, I think narrative is the place that you get to do that more so than at least for me commercially, I, I feel like I need to adapt to the director. I need to adapt to the production. I need to adapt to the client. Um, that's not, that's not, you know, maybe the, the place I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to explore what that looks like to do something different. I think it'd be, it certainly is a big challenge, especially with um, trying to find again, your voice, but you don't get to really express that much sometimes in a commercial. They'll, they'll ask you your opinion, but uh, there are several voices that <laughs> need to be heard. Um, and that's, that has always been the challenge. And, you know, sometimes these decisions are made by committee, which obviously you're, you're well aware of, and that can make it especially challenging. And, and having said that, do you have, I, I, and this is, it, there's not a one answer for this, so just bear with me on this. Do you have a certain crew size that you tend to work with or you feel is an ideal size and yeah, meaning from small, medium to large? Is there, is there a, a crew size that you're, you're comfortable working with? Yeah, I mean, I, for some of those bigger commercials, I mean, we had, I don't know, 50 people or something working, not all, you know, in camera, but I, I had a team of, I think, eight in G&E, first, second AC camera P. I mean, I, I probably had 10 people or so just with me. Um, and that's, the, that's kind of the largest, you know, stuff I've been on. And then of course I'm out by myself plenty of times uh, where it's just me. So um, I, I have a kind of minimum that I would love to work at, which is, which is like me an AC and a grip and a gaffer. I, I feel really good in that world. Um, when it's less than that, oftentimes I feel like we're making sacrifices, um, and that, and that's okay. Cause you just, you need to, and you, you know, you make it the very best you can, but the budget is the budget. Um, and, and so if that, if that means it's just going to be me and an AC or me and a gaffer or me and a grip or, you know, whatever that looks like, then obviously you do the very best job you can with those resources, um, and every project, it, it, it almost always feels like you could use one more person or, you know, an extra. But I do love the team aspect of it. I love, um, I don't know a better way to put other than the leadership aspect of being a DP. Um, I, I like when I have 
Um, one of my favorite shoots was, it was two units. I had to figure out both. I had to check in on both, although I ran one um, more directly, I still needed to know what the B unit was doing and, um, and, and have a, have a, you know, somewhat of a say in that overall picture and ha and that larger team. And I was actually pretty nice that there was a, a 10 person team. It was probably more like 15 cause we had two units. So, um, I love that, uh, having to figure out and problem solve at that level. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I think there's a creativity to that, that doesn't always end up on camera. Um, but it's, it, it is enjoyable to me. I, I like that. Um, and, and then on the far side of things, when I'm out and it's just me, uh, by myself, I can do it, you know, uh, we all can, but if I have three, four, five jobs in a row like that, I do find that I get a little bit like, uh, stir crazy. Uh, I'm, I miss working with people. I miss collaborating. Uh, so I, I like the team aspect. And so I'd say that that kind of three to five person team is is pretty perfect. I agree. And and you tend to make, uh, you know, uh, with constraints comes um, some, uh, some pretty fun, fun uh, outcomes because, you, you know, you're, you don't have all all the toys or all the people that you need to manage. And sometimes you can just move from shot to shot to shot very efficiently and at what I consider high level, I mean, if you have to use one light and a bounce, that's what you got. And you tend to make, um, in my in my estimation, just better better work oftentimes because you're not hemming and hawing about certain nuance that you know kind of bogs the whole process down. So I think I'm in your camp. I just prefer uh, the smaller teams, able to work in big teams, but you know to be more nimble. It just seems like almost the best mix. Uh, provide every you're not doing double work, which always then uh, I think the work suffers there as well. Um, have you found then, uh, have you, uh, dur during the time um, uh, in, in 2020 when you went from, I don't know, were you working all the way through or did you have kind of a lull and then work started to pick up because I, I think people realized that we needed content. Um, what was your trajectory? Yeah, I, I had a, um, I had a job at the end of February. Uh, I want to say it was with Dodge uh, and it didn't happen. Uh, we schedules kept moving and pushing and changing and nothing to do with COVID. It was before COVID had really taken effect. And, and we actually, it ended up canceling uh, right. So right at the beginning of March uh, and, and I was within a few days uh, that really things started to, to pick up and meaning like shut down. <laughs> um, and, uh, I don't think the job would have happened. I think had we just had, had we figured it out, it, it probably still would have been canceled. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I did a few small things here and there. I helped some local folks like set up, uh, their own zooms and, you know, just things to like make some ends meet. And, um, uh, but really didn't work for about five months, um, seriously work anyway. So it was, I want to say it was the end of July or beginning of August that kind of the first job started to trickle back in. Um, and then it, and then it's been really crazy since then. Um, so the last two months have been super busy. Uh, but yeah, there was a, there was a big lull and a big, yeah, trying to figure out what to do next. Have you had the opportunity to work remotely where you had a director or producer work um, remotely and, and either through zoom through your camera feed or even just by, sending screenshots or, or, or just uh, some 
uh, onset feedback um, would get to collaborate? I think every job, um, may, maybe a couple, there, there've been a couple where we had, we did have a team on set, but I, pretty much every job has had someone connected to the camera remotely. Um, the, the very first job that I did back, uh, was through a teleprompter on the camera and, and the director was being piped from a laptop to the teleprompter. Um, and the camera was being piped back to zoom. Uh, and I believe he was in New York. Uh, and so we didn't really speak much before, uh, it worked well, it went well. It was, inter it was a lot of talking head, uh, interviews. And yeah, he, he was unable to travel. They were unable to bring any crew. They had a producer that uh, they hired locally, I believe, as well. That pulled I mean, the producer may have come out, uh, but I've done I've done quite a few jobs like that um, to varying degrees. Some big, uh, probably the smallest was just a sound guy and me, uh, two cameras, and Zoom. So two cameras and a laptop and Zoom, and that was a bit stressful. Uh, it was not my my, and I did the interview, actually, I ran the interview as well, was not my favorite uh, thing to do, but it went well, the client was super happy with it. Um, but yeah, I've done, I've done quite a few. In fact, the job last week, we also had to pipe the camera through, uh, through a box uh, into a laptop. And there were, I guess, client people uh, watching in, which is interesting to know that someone's not just looking at the monitor. They're literally seeing, <laughs> seeing what you're seeing. So in a way it's scary, right? You almost, <laughs> do, you, do you show the, do you show the, uh, the, you know, the, the surround or the, you know, where you're at with the, <clears throat> with the frame rate. I did, uh, I did do a, a remote where I showed the feed and I, I, the, the feedback from the director, he said he liked knowing that where the battery and the media were because he can kind of guide himself on, on, on his questions and felt very comfortable and say, okay, I got, yeah. I got 15 minutes. I can just keep on rapping, right? So I haven't thought about that. Think of, right. Um, and so well, we've also had a couple of that? shoots with like, uh, we've, well, I was gonna say we've had a couple of shoots where we even had a witness cam. So we had, yeah, we had our cameras run to zoom, uh, to yeah. a laptop and we had another camera at the back of the room which honestly, that was the camera I liked the least. I was like, that's weird. You're just sort of watching in on us. But, um, I, you know, I, I don't think it, I don't think it replace any of that replaces people being, you know, in, there in person. And I, and I can't imagine um, that we would go to a fully virtual production world. However, I think, I think I would guess commercially that clients probably for quite a while, maybe, maybe forever. I think having that zoom set up for people that are remote now that we've really, I feel like we've really figured that out. Um, I think that may be a part of part of how we work from here on out. I think it might be, it might just boil down to a practical thing. Like uh, many people are working from home and I think some businesses are figuring out, Hey, we can actually make a profit, <laughs> you know, they spend the exact same, they make the exact same money, but they're not spending money on infrastructure and whatnot. So yeah, you're not flying people all over the world. You're not, you know, you're able to tap in and, and instead of even just, I don't know what, I don't know how that happened before. I, I had never really done that before, but there is something, I think, uh, it, it, everyone seemed to feel comfortable knowing that they, they were seeing what I was seeing and, you know, and so, uh, that's a bit odd. And I think there are jobs that I would probably really not, not enjoy that. Um, 
but so far it's, it's gone well. I haven't had, I haven't had a ton of extra feedback. I haven't had a ton of like, Hey, it's a little too dark or, Hey, we can, you know, could you do this? Could you change the light? You know, that hasn't really come up thankfully. Um, and, and maybe knock on wood that we'll just chalk that up to my lighting was good. And so they were happy with it, <laughs> but maybe that's not true either. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so far, so far it's been a good experience. And I, I think it's honestly just going to be something we, we have to get used to. I'm sure one of the aspects you enjoy the most is, and I do is, is the travel and uh, technically you could be a director of photography remotely as well. And how far up the chain are we going to get to, to just say, you know, here's the diagram for I want the cameras. Here's the lighting diagram. Set it up this way, and then I'll check in on you. I I don't I wouldn't want to practice that way, but <clears throat> I know some people. You know that may be a thing, right? So you hope not, because I think yeah, I don't most enjoyable aspects, and I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't love that. Uh, I would hope you love that. being on set, right? Of course. Well, I I do. I love being on set, but I, I think there's just something that happens. At least for me, I have. I do a lot of planning before shoots when appropriate. Some shoots, you know, you don't, you don't really need to, but um, I do a lot of planning uh, beforehand and thinking through and getting my head in, into the space of what we're doing. But there's something different that happens when you're there. Um, you know, those little, those little things this week, it was something I don't normally do. We brought little mirrors out, little square mirrors to create little weird shapes and reflections in the scene. Um, I don't think that's something that I would have thought of beforehand. And I don't know that if I was remote, I would have come up with, I think I was, would have been a little too removed from my gaffer from the space to go, Oh, well, you know, I'm not seeing it, but there's a window right there. It'd be really cool if we had something kind of, you know, coming in and creating a weird shape on the table or things like that, that I don't know that I personally, I would have gotten to, had I been sitting at home on a, on a zoom feed. Well, in, in your, in your filmmaking, where do you think you made the turn from uh, being average or maybe not even average or below average to, to feeling, wow, I, I, I think I've got this down. Um, the look I'm getting, we're always evolving. I don't think we're ever stagnant, but where did you feel that? Uh, was it through your, uh, was it through your lighting or was it through your lensing or, or, you know, all of the above, where do you feel you made your, your, like you go, Oh, this is what works and makes it look like the stuff I'm actually seeing, um, in, in cinema or on television. Yeah. Well, one, I, I don't know that I ever really feel that way. Um, I can point to some moments where I, there were aha moments for me, but, um, I'm, very self-critical. Uh, I'm, I'm mostly, <laughs> I mostly think that my work isn't good. Um, and so I'm, I'm always in some ways that's, that's something I do work on to try to get over. Cause I don't think I'm, when I really stop and look, I go, Oh yeah, well, you're not terrible at this. Uh, people are continuing to like hire you. So, uh, but I, do, I am self-critical a lot. And I think, uh, at the same time, you know, one of the first, I think it was one of the first, uh, bigger jobs that I did, uh, at the, at the corporate job that, um, I, I was working with a, a director who was also a DP and he, 
to put it nicely, he was helping me with the lighting, <laughs> um, meaning he wasn't really happy with what I was doing. You know, this was seven years ago or so. So he wasn't stoked on what I was doing. So I would come in, I would light, he would come in behind me and essentially relight. Um, and it was, it was hard. It was, it was a really hard uh, in the moment thing to come to grips with because I want him to obviously be happy. And, and I, and we have a great relationship and, and you know, there were a lot of things that I learned in that moment that I went, Oh, and he never pulled me aside and was like, let me teach you how to light. Um, but seeing the way he kind of wanted things and, and the, really made me step up my communication um, and my understanding. And, and it really changed how I worked from then on out. Um, so as a moment that that's one where I went, Oh, I, you know, maybe before I was just kind of like, let's point lights at things. Uh, after that, it really became, why am I doing it? What's motivating it? You know, what am I, what are we after in this scene? What's the emotion? What are we trying to convey and letting all of that dictate my lighting? Um, I think that made a huge difference as far as cameras and lenses. I, I think that stuff, I have favorite cameras, you know, you choose different lenses for each job, but at the same time, um, you know, I don't know that those things affect at least for me, emotionally, the lighting is, a, is the, is the bigger effect for me um, as far as what I'm in, you know, what I'm responsible for. Yeah. It seems that um, I think everybody realizes that uh, although all the gear is great, it does evolve. Uh, it still boils down to, to lighting. I hear that, that that seems to be very much a recurring, a recurring theme. Yeah. Uh, I've shot some of my best stuff on cheap cameras where I had time to light <laughs> and I've shot some stuff that I wasn't super stoked and it was, Great, great camera, great lens, no time to light, you know. That doesn't make you feel great. But sometimes that's just a reality, especially doing commercial work. And when you've got to make your day, you got to make your day, especially when you only have one day to shoot the project, you know. No, so uh, I, technically then, I, I find when I when I see what other uh, filmmakers are doing as far as, you know, what they bring to set, and it, it's a, often asked questions, how are you measuring light? You know, is there anything that you have to bring to set, say that you're renting everything and you're, you have to bring something, you're traveling to New York or wherever, what do you always want to bring on you? Yeah, I have, I mean, I have my case that, that comes with me and it, it has um, my monitor, uh, which is just always with me, uh, you know, uh, light meter. What's that? What, what monitor are you using? Oh, I, I have a, uh, the small HD 703. Um, seems to be an industry standard it kind of is yeah you run into it a lot and i actually and this was this was a good thing that happened over covid was i, I actually met a guy uh, i want to say he's in virginia and he calibrates monitors so one of the things that i got done over covid was mailing him my monitor and getting it recalibrated and um that's that's sort of the workhorse that that's with me you know on every shoot i always have a stills camera with me as well um because it's my background i also I see things through lenses. So sometimes, you know, just walking around and photographing um, helps, especially on scouts. Uh, but that's, that's really it. I, I keep, you know, a few little, little doodads, but for the most part, uh, it's that monitor. And then the light meter is always with me. Uh, sometimes that's more just an efficiency thing to have to be able to pull out and move quickly. 
mostly I light to eye. Uh, I just light to what feels right to me. I feel like the cameras are so good these days that, um, you know, as long as I feel, I feel good about the way things are looking, then I can go to the camera and the monitor and, and start to see it. Um, and other than that, everything else is rental. I don't own a camera or lenses or anything like that. It's all, it's all whatever the project needs. Fantastic. Is, uh, is there a, a lighting, um, uh, your go-to lighting setup that you, you, you do for talking heads or are, are you, I obviously <clears throat> depends what the project calls for, but is there something that you go, I, I, I almost always, um, uh, light this way or have this or an instrument that you tend to like to light with? Yeah, I do. I tend to light. I mean, I would say every, nearly every job. This last job I just came from was was pretty typical. There's an M18, and there's one or two sky panels or some variation. Now that there are other, um, I think this last job we had uh, the Gemini's. Uh, I forget light panel maybe makes those, but it's a light similar panel. to a yeah similar to a sky panel. Um, mm -hmm. So those those end up on every every job. I I really love soft light and so a double diffused sky panel uh you know oftentimes is what ends up on faces uh and then for a background i, I would say those those are the three so it's the sky panel it's an m18 and it's some variation of a joker or a jolico uh you know something that we can use to shape and and pinpoint little little things here and there um for a little while, I was also I was also bringing Titan tubes on a lot of shoots. It's it's been a while since I've done that, um, and oftentimes those are for just little you know hiding behind a corner, uh, you know throwing something into the background. Or um, I've been doing more and more uh, like setting an ambient level. So uh, on this last job, we did uh, we keyed with the with the Gemini mostly. Uh, we had an M18 outside creating sunlight or raking across like a back wall or something. Um, and then, and then we actually brought the, the, uh, Alico inside, uh, and, and hit it into the ceiling. And then we would just adjust the iris. Uh, so my gaffer would just adjust the iris. So if you get a real small little spot into the ceiling, you know, it, it doesn't spread everywhere. It's, it's sort of very low level. And then I would just kind of walk over and play with the iris level for like, you know, one room, we want a little more sourcey. We want a little bit more direction. Uh, so we'll use our key a little more. In the next room, we wanted something a little more just bright and ambient. So we, you know, we flood the room a little bit more. Uh, so sometimes I do that with, with uh, uh, Titan like tubes up in the ceiling, or uh, in this case, we were just kind of irising on a, on a Jolico uh, to kind of create that ambient level for the room uh, based on, you know, each setup. Uh, but yeah, those are the lights that end up on a lot of jobs. Whenever I'm out on a really small shoot, everything goes to LED. Uh, so that, that then is the aperture lights are great. The three hundreds and, um, that sort of stuff is, is on the, on the small, really run and gun. Those are the things that I kind of reach for then in those situations. You can tend to be uh, quick and nimble with that. And you're able to set up quickly. I mean, obviously <clears throat> the job dictates that. Where do you, where do you see um, yourself evolving uh, in the next, uh, you know, year, years, like where, do, where do you want to place yourself as far as um, what, what you want to be known for? And I know that's a very hard general question for somebody who does freelance, because the answer to that is, you know, wherever the work is, but 
uh, you know, some people really love cars or they love, you know, doing product or, or you know, whatever, even even uh, great uh, uh, narrative looking uh, interviews. Is, is there a direction that you're you're uh, interested in? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see myself more probably whether it's even commercially more towards the narrative side of things. Um, I think at its heart, what I love about filmmaking is is what I loved about why I was a history major in college, why I got into photography and, and the aspect of weddings that I even love. And it's the story. I just, I love, I love stories. It's why I read a lot. It's why, why we watch movies. It's, I just, at, at its heart, I love stories. And so um, things that are story-based, you know, I, I, there's some amazing car ads out there. And I have a lot of friends that do that do really, really killer car work. Um, I'm not as passionate about driving around roads with a car just to do it, but telling a story about a car. I think uh, there was like maybe a few years ago, there was like a Honda piece. that was like the, the history of Honda over the years. Like those sorts of things are what I'm really more passionate about. Um, and I think I'm, I'm ready. I was, I have a mentor that was, you know, talking with me about, Kind of that same question um and and if you don't have a mentor uh, for those people listening get a mentor um they're great uh so uh, this guy was giving you know kind of that same question and he was wondering you know asking me all these things about how i work and how i want to work and and you know what i see myself doing and, and at the end of it all he was like you know you sound like you're ready to be doing narrative stuff and so i've been pursuing those things the last year obviously you know covid kind of i was supposed to do a um a short this summer that is kind of postponed indefinitely and then another was supposed to happen this fall that we're pushing back to next fall so uh that was a bit of a downer but that's kind of the, the where i see myself going i i love the story aspect of it um i can light a talking head all day long and that's that's great obviously i also want to work and with the, the family and the three kids, like paying the bills is a huge, huge, huge deal. And that's more important to me than anything. Um, but if I, you know, if I just have my way, I think that that's really what I'm interested in and where I want to pursue things. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great. And I think some of the hardest things uh, to do is, is know that's where you're going to be. It's almost like <clears throat> when you choose uh, a creative profession to begin with, you have to realize they're going to be very lean days because there's just, there's, it, it seems like there's so many uh, filmmakers or, or people in your field um, and, you know, somehow you have, you have to distinguish yourself, whether it be that you're great with uh, teams or uh, great with people and, and, and you're a great relationship builder and, and just a person who can manage these difficult projects and always delivers and, you know, no must, no fuss, right? Or, or you're just able to be so technically good that they have to have you no matter what. So it, I find that some, somehow we're probably in the middle there and, uh, and hopefully uh, it can uh, make our jobs, you know, easier and, and uh, obtain the jobs that we want, especially, especially in the narrative field. Where are yeah, you? And I, you oh, uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to, I was going to just to touch on that. Even I think that, I think that that is so true. Um, we all know really, really talented, creative people that make really beautiful images that are kind of jerks, um, you know, and, and then I think I, I, 
I at times have fallen into the other camp of just being so agreeable and so easy to work with and so budget friendly and not my, not me budget friendly, but worrying about, you know, what people, the time, the day getting, you know, making sure we're not overdoing it with crew or lighting, but then maybe at the end of the day going, you know, that could have been, that could have been 10% better. And I think that that's, that's where we have to live is sometimes you got to be a little bit of a jerk to make it really, really great. And sometimes, you know, you got to also realize where that line is. Uh, I don't think you can live in both. And, and, you know, I think the guys that are super friendly to the producers are always, uh, you know, never really pushing for more. Your reel will reflect that. And then on the other end of it, you may have a great reel, but nobody wants to work with you. So. It's definitely that middle ground. And, and I think though, uh, like anything else starts, uh, you, you have to have that good, um, uh, initial conversation about scope and uh, hopefully that gets checked into quite often so that you're not you're not stuck either a feeling bad that you gave way too much than was agreed upon or you, you didn't you didn't sell enough and that's you know again that's the nuance and balance that we I think we face up uh, daily um, so uh, where and the, the question is going to ask you where are you now getting most of your work um, yeah, most, I mean, most of it is, is through, I would say through relationships. Um, I think most of my jobs are with people that I've, that I've been working for, uh, already. And so, uh, that's, that's kind of always really been true, uh, for me. I, I did make some changes, you know, during COVID one of the projects I kind of gave myself, um, well, a little bit of backstory, not to go too long on this one, but, um, early on there were some zoom groups that kind of formed, you know, online of filmmakers just to have some community. And, and there's a group that it's actually still going. It's, it meet, they can, I think they still meet every Tuesday night. Um, it's been a minute since I've been able to join them, but uh, I've met some amazing, amazing people, uh, you know, networked through, through that, that group. And one of the things that I, I kind of took away was just how important, you know, marketing yourself and networking really is. Uh, so one of the projects I gave myself was just to revamp my website, you know, and go in and create some more uh, uh, SEO, uh, you know, optimization and those sorts of things, which is not interesting to me at all. But I can say that 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 more recently I've had a few people, you know, where, oh, suddenly my my website shows up uh, when you Google certain things and you go, oh, wow. And, and that I feel like has actually started to lead to some you know, additional work. I don't know that it'll be long-term, but mostly the work that, that's been coming in has been, has been just people that I already know and relationships I've built. And pre-COVID, I, I spend, if I'm not shooting, I spend a lot of my time networking and just trying to meet people. Let's go grab coffee. Let's, I think that's how we met, you know, let's, let's, let's get, let's get lunch, let's chat. And so that's not really going on as much anymore. So you're doing a lot of that virtually, but um, a lot of my work comes through, through those things. And, and ultimately that's sort of the way I want to work. I want to be in relationship with people. Um, and that, that's, that's almost as, as important to me as the work. And so, um, like a pre-interview, you actually, um, and thank you. Uh, you did reach out to me and it was great to, to meet. And then, and uh, we've met a couple of times since then. And I think yeah. it's funny, you, you, you know, common people. And, and I think, uh, it certainly, I want to work with people I want to work with. If I, you know, if I can 
choose a team and 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 build a crew that that to me is probably the most fun part to know that oh great i have this team working with it's going to be a blast working together for two three or even two weeks um two three days or two uh, two to three weeks so that i, I think that's vital because you know you're around each other for uh 10 to 12 hours or more so i, th I think that's that's critical that's um, true Ray, do you have any outside hobbies or, or how do you balance your time? I know you, you have three kids and you, you want to spend time with them, with, which is, which is uh, critical. Um, I'm probably dating myself, but that Harry Chapin song always kind of rings in my head. You know, that cat's in a cradle song. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I say no to any of my children. So what, what uh, how are you, how do you spend your time? Yeah. I mean, I'm super close with my family. Uh, so I, I spend, you know, when, when I have downtime, it's, it's just, hanging out with the kids a lot. Um, I, and then personally, I'm super into cooking. Uh, I cook a lot. Uh, I actually almost went to culinary school out of college and uh, got a job at a restaurant and realized I did not want to do that for a career. But uh, so I cook a lot. I, you know, over COVID, I started, as a lot of people did, baking, uh, baking bread. I, I in fact, this morning uh, was, I uh, started making my own hot sauce. So fermenting peppers and making my own pickles and all kinds of weird, you know, experiments going on in the kitchen. Uh, I read a ton, uh, or I try to, and I even, uh, recently I just, I picked up, uh, golfing. I started going golfing. Uh, I've never played golf in my life. Uh, but it just seemed like a fun thing to get out. You know, I don't, you can social distance, you can be outside, you know, it's, I, I'm, pretty terrible at it. So I'm not spending a lot of money, but I do that. I, I go out and once a week, just go whack a golf ball around into the woods and try not to lose too many of them. Uh, but yeah, those are all kind of, kind of my, you know, normal hobbies besides watching movies. And, um, I watch a lot of cooking shows, uh, these days on YouTube as well. So that, that's been a big, uh, a big thing for me as well. There's so much great content. I mean, it, it, it certainly has exploded over the, the um, last few years. And, and I think the good thing is that uh, that's hopefully where we're going to find our niche is that there are there is uh, uh, people are hungry for content. And uh, how often do you, do you wish that uh, you see on, on Netflix or, or, or the uh, streaming services something new that you can get your, you know, uh, grasp onto and spend some time because, you know, our time is valuable. And the last thing you want to do is invest into something that you go, man, that's just that's just tough for me, <laughs> tough for me to spend my time. So we move on now to the lightning round. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a couple of things on, first of all, do you have a, a favorite Netflix binge speaking of Netflix or, or any of the other streaming services? Um, yeah, well, I would say currently on Netflix, I've been, I'm way behind, but I've been catching up on Ozark. Um, so that's, that's the Netflix binge. And then I have, uh, I have a couple of, uh, it's kind of weird that I've sort of fallen into YouTube, uh, land. Uh, but I, I, there's this guy, Joshua Weissman, uh, who's, a uh, a chef, uh, that kind of produces his own content. So anytime he releases a video, I, I watch those right away. And then, um, there's also, I've been watching this series, uh, on again, on YouTube of a, it's like a young couple that are building their own like shipping container home. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, and I watch, you I know, watch that. Yes. yeah, yeah. And I, and I watch those, you know, so I, I've been watching a lot of that stuff. Um, my kids and I are, cause we, we do like a family movie night. Um, so 
we're running out of things to watch there. Um, but we've been, we're slowly starting to get into some of the Marvel movies, which has been kind of fun. I'm a big sci-fi nerd and I love that sort of stuff. So we've watched all the Star Treks and all the, a lot of the Star Treks and the Star Wars movies. Um, and then, uh, my daughters and I, who are, they're a little older, we've started watching, uh, Adventure Time. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's pretty weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, yeah, we watch stuff like that. And, uh, we just watched Avatar, The Last Airbender. So yeah, we, we're always, there's always something on the TV. I feel like here at the house. That's for sure. I, I I think we, I mean, we can go down another tangent with what's happening with uh, the Mandalorian or, 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 uh, you know, other, other, uh, quote unquote, virtual set type of, uh, type of things. Yeah. Um, we're super excited for, uh, that's another one we were watching was the Mandalorian. So we're season. super excited for, uh, for the next season to be out soon. That's exciting. That's exciting. So, um, is there, uh, we, we talked about some of your hobbies, which I, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear about. Is there anything in, um, two final things and, and a lot of people have closed with this is a, is there, are there other podcasts that you get inspiration from or that you, that you like to listen to? What's on your playlist? Yeah, well, I, I'm going to pull up my podcast app here because I've got it on my computer. But oh, awesome. uh, I, I listen to a lot of political podcasts, especially right mm-hmm. now, um, not to get into that because uh, I know that's a, a thing. But um, uh, the Deacons podcast is amazing, uh, and I've been binging that. Um, I think it's just called this. Of course, the Wandering DP um, is great. Let me see. We I listen to a lot of history podcasts. There's one called uh, Stuff You Missed in History Class. Um, that's a big one. Ear Hustle is excellent. Of course, Wandering DP. Oh, the the Cinematography Podcast. Super hard one to remember. The Cinematography Podcast. It, it's um, very difficult, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a that's another great one. But the Deacons Podcast. I think if if anyone's not listening to that it's it's just pure gold i mean who knows more about what we do and about this industry than roger deakins and we all want to shoot like him we all reference his stuff and to literally getting you know you're getting to sit at his feet and listen um about about how he does things in his process it's it's invaluable it's pretty amazing Honestly, and one of the nuggets, which I'll be asking you about as well, is that one of the nuggets I got uh, by his style of shooting, it's just how your eye sees. And there's no fanciness to it. There's just solid imagery that is, you know, obviously breathtaking. And um, I've tried to take that away uh, away because we all enjoy backlight flares and, 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 and you know, just making things a quote unquote cool, but he really has a purpose in how he shoots and, uh, I really admire that about how it's just gold every time you see it, right? It's it, there's not one bad movie he's he's made. So you know, no, and it's and it and I think it is that that simple approach is is appealing to me for sure. It's you know, we can really overcomplicate things, and sometimes you have you have to to get something simple. It it is complicated, um, but it, you know, it may look like ten lights. It may take ten lights to look like no lights, but um, that approach I think is, is just, I love it. And it's, it's super interesting to hear, you know, hear, hear him and how he processes through that. So, um, a, a couple things, uh, if you were going to leave us with a gold nugget, uh, on what you've learned, uh, what would you tell, uh, what have you learned and uh, would like to pass on? Uh, yeah, I, I would say, you know, the thing that I, I've, I've been doing, some sort of creative work for a long time now. And I think 
hard work shows. Um, I think talent is important, obviously, but really, really working your ass off really makes a difference. Um, and I think the people that do that are, are the people that make great stuff. And so, uh, yeah, work hard and it may be simple, but, but work, you know, the putting in the time and the effort and the time that nobody sees and the hours spent, you know, watching and rewatching a film and saving frames and, you know, downloading videos to rewatch over and over. And, um, all of those little things, I think no one knows and, and it, but it does show up. Um, and then I, I think the other, and this is a little bit of a side side thing, but, uh, figuring out how to run a business, you know, I, 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 I going back to early days, I, I didn't know what I was doing and I, I often still don't, but I think, I think we often neglect the business side of this uh, and, and it is called an industry and, and we all want to create beautiful work. Uh, but if you're not figuring out how to do that and make money, um, especially commercially, I'll, I'll put it that way. If you're an artist and you want to make art and you want to be, you know, broke <laughs> and make art, that's, that's fine. I, that's, that's more power to you. That's beautiful. I love it. Uh, there is, there is such a thing as I think, you know, suffering for the art, but when you're suffering for the art and the art is a commercial, you know, uh, I, I think, I think not enough people spend, spend the time and energy to figure out how to run a business and, uh, and know that, you know, yeah, you got to make money. Um, you know, you want to have kids one day, you want to grow, you want to grow old and retire and have a house and all that stuff. You got to figure out how to, how to make it, make it. And that, that go, that applies to, that helps all of us. You know, if you're undercutting the market and it may get you work today, but long-term, you know, it's a, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help any of us. So I think uh, those would be the two. <laughs> I think even simply just delegating somebody to do that for you and, and just understanding your business is, is important because sometimes you can't be your business uh, the whole time or who's going to be making the films. It, sometimes that simple thing of just delegating, like, you know, a, a, somebody who makes these uh, uh, treatments for you, or you know, at least gets them set up, or somebody able to collect the bills or get paid on time. It's a painful process, but I think uh, that's one of the things I'm still trying to learn, Ray, and and you know, trying to evolve our, our own business process. So, if I was making a million dollar film and I needed a cinematographer, where could we find you? Yeah, um, uh, I'm of course on Instagram, uh, pretty much anywhere, just at Ray Rushing uh instagram or twitter if you want to see somebody uh if you want to read angry political tweets go to twitter but uh, otherwise instagram is great uh, at ray rushing and then uh my website is rayrushing.tv great fantastic so who are you voting for i'm just kidding so uh, <laughs> hey uh thanks for joining us ray uh it, it was great to uh even get to know you even better and uh, we've been blessed enough to have some really great uh great guests and uh just great people who I look forward to collaborating with in some form in the future. So thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and uh, always great to chat. And there you have it. That was our interview today with Ray Rushing here on Spokes. Uh, we hope you enjoy this one today. We want to thank Ray for joining us and talking about his evolution as a cinematographer. Uh, if you did enjoy it, please consider leaving a review, leave a rating, uh, subscribe if you're not on Apple. Uh, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, 
iHeartRadio, of course, tune in. Uh, please hit the subscribe button or follow button, whichever um, podcasting platform you're listening to and has those buttons. Uh, you'll have access to all our episodes and uh, we'd love to hear from you too. So if you're interested in listening to more of this or just taking a look at what our podcast is all about, check us out at redbicyclemedia.com slash podcast or tap on the show link in the description. We hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, guys. Bye.